0: understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French and, and the Bernabéu
1: it back I've got a
2: problem with soccer, too. In- oh, what a start oh, what I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret
3: All right, welcome to a new show, House of Champions. YouTube friends, drop in your comments and questions in the chat. Make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons as we followed along live the Champions League draw. Here is the reaction. Cannot wait to it. Just a reminder of all the games as I've got my good friends with me, Nigel Rio Coker, James Benj and Jonathan Johnson. The tie has just taken place. I'll run through it for you now. Leipzig against Manchester City. Club Brugge Brugge against Benfica, Liverpool against Real Madrid, AC Milan against Tottenham, Frankfurt against Napoli, Borussia Dortmund against Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain against Bayern Munich and Inter Milan against Porto. The first legs are scheduled to take place on the 14th and 15th of February and the 21st and 22nd and then the second legs will take place on the 7th and the 8th and the 14th and 15th of March a long time to go before the ties do take place Uh, Nigel Rio-Coker initial reaction before we start to get stuck into ties the draw was a pretty sexy one
0: it's a great draw I think there are some great great fixtures in there but obviously everyone will be looking at the Liverpool Real Madrid a replay of last year's final and obviously PSG buying and I think I'm not saying PSG buying just for the sake of, oh, it's PSG, everyone's talking about them. But right now it's to see really how far and serious contenders PSG are for winning their first ever Champions League. And I think this is one of the real tests they're actually going to get. So now we're going to see how much of a good team this Paris Saint-Germain is. And obviously to face the perfect buying, because they were perfect in the group stages and the ever evolving and getting better by every game buying. This is where we're going to see how serious contenders PSG are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think what's intriguing. Uh, maybe we should sort of address the elephant in the room right away before you know, before talking around it. That with the World Cup coming, I feel like for a lot of PSG's big names, that carries almost more importance than anything that happens in the Champions League, especially, especially of course, Lionel Messi. You know what what what's missing? I, I think the same is true for Neymar as well. What's missing from their resume? As a player, well, it's not the Champions League trophies. It's not, you know, in Messi's case, it isn't the Ballon d'Ors. It's the World Cup, and you know, we'll come on to talk about in the weeks to come Argentina and Brazil and the, and their chances. I think both will be making a deep run. I can certainly imagine that if a team like Argentina wins the World Cup, that might almost be it for Messi. It wouldn't be unimaginable that he retires on the spot, Gerard Piqué style. But I mean, you know, that that's one side of it. The other thing, and, and I come on here and, and I say this a lot, how much faith do you have that when Bayern have 10, 15 minutes of possession, that PSG's front three will be doing something to close it down, to stop that, stop that building? Compare that to Bayern's attack. Um, Julian Nagelsmann can sometimes overcomplicate things, it's fair to say. But I know that when PSG have the ball and are trying to build their attacks, they're going to have to find a way around the pressure of Mane, Sane, Musiala, Gnabry. I feel like at the moment Bayern have that more cohesive team mentality and that's what normally wins them of course we saw like last time these two met that in the end PSG probably weren't the better team but they had Kylian Mbappe so that, that you know yeah. that's where we're at
3: really Listen, I think when you look at this tie in particular, um, we're going to find out whether there's something right or wrong with Bayern Munich because you've got to be tested against the best to, to lift this trophy again. Now, are Bayern Munich one of the favourites? Absolutely, they're one of the favourites. Rafa, come in with a comment right here. Ian, there's something not quite right with Bayern or PSG. And here's the thing. I go into this tie looking at Bayern Munich getting through the group stage, but I still watch them week in and week out in the Bundesliga. And I'm still telling you, They're not themselves just yet. They were terrific in the group stage and proved me wrong. Absolutely. I thought they would struggle to get out of the group. That's a a crazy comment. It was wild. It was bizarre. However, they're through the group. They look great. Now I want to see if they'll be really tested against Paris Saint-Germain. Where I see the weakness in this Bayern Munich side is defensively. They can see goals. And they always seem to give the opposition an opportunity uh, to score goals against them. Paris Saint-Germain have to be at their best to beat Bayern Munich, full stop. And and do you stop? And how do you stop this Bayern Munich? Because now they're starting to show consistency with the goal score and coming from multiple areas. It's not just a Amani who's scoring the goals, they're scoring them from multiple positions. Um, but PSG is a, a completely different animal that you're coming up against. So it's, it's really crazy. Go ahead, Nigel, you got a question?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say then, so who would you say has the weaker defence? Because obviously it's the battle of the weak defences. So between Bayern and PSG, who do you think has the weaker defence? Uh,
3: listen, it's, it's probably going to be whoever has the weakest defence goes out or who has the most explosive. You you can't compete, in my personal opinion, you cannot compare what Paris Saint-Germain have with Bayern Munich. Paris Saint-Germain's offence is is the scariest up there in Europe right now. And if they're on form, there's no way Bayern Munich can stop them from scoring goals. So Bayern have to score goals, Nigel. They can't just sit back because PSG will score against Bayern. No doubt. They'll score multiple goals. But can Bayern Munich score three and four goals against Paris Saint-Germain? JJ's probably saying, yes, they can score three or four goals against this um, PSG side. But that would be the one for me that... Who scores more goals? I mean, defensively, both of them have been suspects. And probably that's one of the reasons why they might not win this version of the Champions League. Or is this the test? You go through a good World Cup. You have a quick winter break. And we talked about this, the winter break. Bayern Munich have players going to the World Cup. Almost most of their players will go to the World Cup. They have a two-month break from the Bundesliga. Two-month break. They don't play again until... The 20th of January, I think Bayern's the first game back against Leipzig on the 20th of January. That is a ridiculous break for any club to have. And for these players to have such a break, it's absolutely phenomenal. I'm excited to see what Bayern can do against PSG because I want to see them tested against the best. And JJ, if you're ready to rock and roll to have a comment on this one, my opinion, PSG are a slight favorite.
2: I mean, I think uh, PSG, given the way that they started the season, the fact that they're one of, I think, two two European teams unbeaten at this moment in time, uh, assuming that Benfica didn't uh, lose last night. Um, you know, I think it it certainly bodes slightly in their favor but you know Bayern Bayern, there's no way that it's an easy draw I know we've debated Bayern loads since the beginning of the season they looked a bit shaky and now they've really come into their own really been impressive in the Champions League Uh, I definitely agree with what you were saying Ian PSG will fancy their chances up against that defense I know that I'm harsh on that you know sort of majority French back line but I really think that PSG, assuming that Messi, Neymar and Mbappe all come through the World Cup unscathed, uh, you know, will fancy their chances going up uh, against them. You've got, you know, the arguments as well, I guess that Bayern might take a bit longer to remobilize, given how long that break is, Uh, you know, and the fact that a lot of those players will go away from the World Cup, however that pans out for for Germany and other countries concerned, uh, and then come back to it and perhaps take a little while longer to get back into the swing of things. Or, you know, they could be a lot fresher than PSG PSG could be running on fumes and we could see Bayern, uh, you know, really, really tear into PSG. We don't know. You know how that's going to play out, but given everything that's gone on over the last couple of years, it's developed into quite a nice rivalry now because you've got that final back in 2020 where Bayern ran out one-goal winners. Uh, Then you had the uh, the quarterfinals where PSG just about triumphed over Bayern and got to the semis before being knocked out by Manchester City. You know, so there's a little bit of needle now developing between those two teams, and I'm not going to say it's going to be a full-blown, you know, rivalry like sort of PSG Barca became a couple of years ago, but it's kind of Going that way and it's I, I think it's quite a nice match um you know and it's certainly shaping up to be two really really uh good games the only thing i would say is that psg haven't shown so far and we don't know how that's going to change under galtier that they can play you know focused football for 180 minutes over two legs and that's going to be key against a team like Bayern because we saw they came very close to doing it against real last season you know, sort of took their foot off the gas for the final half an hour, got punished, knocked out. If they do that against Bayern, the same thing will happen. So whether or not Christoph Galtier can stamp out some of those uh, mistakes from the past, uh, you know, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. But it, it is a really, really fascinating tie. And personally, I'm always of the opinion... The PSG don't really need um, an easy draw or shouldn't rely on getting an easy draw to make it further in the tournament. The amount of talk that gets dedicated to them, you know, potentially being Champions League winners... They have to walk the walk at some point and come up against these bigger sides. And I actually think it benefits them, especially in a season like this where they are, I mean, they're not pulling away, but they're fairly comfortable at the top of league 1 at this moment in time. They'll need a challenge at the beginning of next year. And I think that Bayern is the right kind of challenge. It's not uh, a team that's, you know, completely infallible, but also at the same time, it is a a team that could cause PSG some problems if PSG are not 100% focused. Go on, Nigel. Now I just want to add
0: quickly to be fair what um James said as well. And I think James is right. Like we haven't really taken into consideration the World Cup and the burden that's on Messi and Neymar. I think that's going to play a part. Right. The burden of the World Cup, of what happens, whoever wins that, whether it's Brazil, Argentina, whether they both don't win it, with the pressure they're going to face back home, the criticism, then you coming into a restart of basically the Champions League, which is something no one's ever used to seeing. And also, again, we talk about Bayern having a longer break, which is going to benefit them. I think it's a it's a great matchup, And I just think, for me personally, it's going to see how serious this Paris Saint-Germain is and whether, really, money can truly buy you the Champions League. You've got three of the best attacking force in the world football, but are they all going to be right mentally after a World Cup during a winter break to be able to go in to think about trying to win the Champions League? Or is there going to be too much of a heavy burden still being carried from the World Cup halfway through a domestic season when normally world cups in the summer you have extra holiday off to get over it you get into pre-season you get into the regular routine of the start of the season which takes everything away but now you're going to be carrying that burden on you if you're not successful and we've already seen links with messi maybe going back to barcelona and all these other different things so all of these things are going to play a part james
1: not very much more to say, really. I think we've kind of yep. hit this in good depth. But as to Nigel's question, our PSG are PSG a serious team? To quote our friend and colleague Tosin, they're an unserious team. They are, they can be relied upon to be daft, um, and I think that's why you know there is that thing like until they show me otherwise, I don't I don't trust them in the big moments. I don't trust, and I think it's something that echoes around the club. It was there before, you know, it was there before Messi came, um, and I fear, frankly, it'll be there after. Um, this is a team that i I just don't believe in in the biggest moments because they the the one consistent factor of the last decade is they failed to deliver. People kind of forget they were quite bad in that Champions League final they lost. You know, they go deep, but they never really, ever have looked to me like serious winners. What do you guys think about a house of champions
3: live from Paris or live from Munich? And we should maybe take the take the show over to watch these games because I think together watching these games would be very interesting. Uh me against Munich. JJ as far as the, the Germans. I'm
2: I'm I'm Brazil. I'm all for it. You know, get a get a nice away day on the books, plenty of beers, <laughs> Nigel wearing lederhosen. You know, what's not to like? I would wear a lederhosen. <laughs> if if they took us out there, it's in the budget.
0: I would wear a Lederhosen. I would wear it. You're I'm not sure good. there's anything in, in the budget for
1: your clothing, Nigel. <laughs> huh? <laughs> no, nothing in the budget for your clothing. Can't afford that. Don't you start, Don't you start Tablecloth. We'll be getting uh- mega buses. JJ, um,
3: before we get into some of the comments, feel free to let yourself out the door. Thank you, as always. If you want to come back in the door later on to discuss, you can do. I'm going to get to some of the comments right now before we look at the other tie. Thank you, JJ, as always. Liverpool, Real Madrid coming up in a minute, but let me get to some of the comments. Uh, Miguel Brandao, one of our uh, great favorites. Brugge against Benfica. Looks like he's very happy with that tie right there. Uh, Letitia also letting us know that... um, Yes, they have beaten Roma and Juventus in the last few years. Maybe Conte Sal, Italy, luck is still with us. Uh, Rafa says, ouch for Liverpool's tie against Real Madrid. That's going to be a difficult one. Um, Krishna, as you just saw across our screens there, I will say the draws will change so much just because of the form, the injuries and the transfers. Um, he also says that he thinks, uh, I think about it when Chelsea drew against Atletico, who were top of La Liga at the time and initially seen as a tough draw. So it'll be interesting to see how perspective on on draws change after the World Cup, which is a great point, great talking point. I'd love to get into that discussion about the World Cup in just a minute. Um, Luigi, he says here, as an Inter fan, I have to say that it will be a tough match. Porto has that tenacity that could help them win, but Inter quality should prevail. I think you could be right on that one, but that one is a difficult one. Porto are a very, very good side and really looking forward to watching that game. Matt Osman said PSG's defensive scheme is weaker because three of their players do uh, absolutely no defending whatsoever uh any more comments before i get out of here uh ab saying very happy with the draw that's a chelsea fan coming in thanks ab for jumping in the draw uh let's discuss next one boys liverpool I against if
0: i was that chelsea fan mate Ian. i'm sorry very happy <laughs> that dortmund draw is a dangerous draw There, there's there's a big room for an upset between dortmund and chelsea
3: we don't know what Chelsea are going to be like. James made a great point. We have no idea what Chelsea are going to be like. I and mean, we were talking about Chelsea now to what they were a month ago to what they were six months ago. I mean, we're, we're not talking about these ties taking place for four months, Nigel.
0: I know months. that. We're, we're, we're not. But still, you can still, still see the foundation. The basic foundation right now at Chelsea is a bit of a mess. We talk about, oh, yeah, you can go out there. They, they look like they, they need identity of a striker. Where is the striker they can go out there and get there? What striker can they go out there to go and get to make an immediate impact into the system they're playing? And it's yeah. not just the scoring goals and creating goals. Like James said, and it's something that I think I said in the group as well when we we're watching that game, they are lacking legs in that midfield area. They are lacking serious legs. And again, where are you going to go? These players come at a ridiculous premium. Are the, the owners going to invest hundreds and hundreds of millions to get yes. maybe two players in of the best quality? Of course Of course they are.
1: I, 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 think, I don't think they're, they're going to spend money, though. But I don't think they're going to spend hundreds. I think we all kind of, you know, and, and I said early on, we have to remember what the World Cup will, impact will be on players. But I think we all kind of kid ourselves that, that this transfer window, it will be different. Teams have time to talk in December. It will be different. But it, people, when they're making these decisions in January, whether to buy or sell, it's still the same consideration that it is every other year, which is I'm midway through the season. Do I want to... You know, if I'm a selling club, do I want to lose one of my best players? Probably not. You know, there will be players like, you know, like a Mudrik that where Shakhtar feel like they need to sell. But, you know, I completely agree with Nigel. Chelsea are not going to be able to buy the next N'Golo Conte in January. They're not going to be able to buy... Uh, Well, I mean, actually, they could buy a better striker than Aubameyang on current form, but only because there's plenty out there. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't... I don't think you can radically... I mean, this is Todd Bowley. We have to be careful, don't we? Um. I don't think you can radically overhaul a team in January just because it's a slightly different one with the World Cup. Go ahead, J- well, I'm just uh, going to throw
0: this at you quickly, James, though, right? Let's yep. be real. So we talked about the lack of midfield legs. There's only one player that I know Graham Potter would definitely want to get in there, and that's Kaisado Kai from Brighton. That will be his number one target. But with his form, he's in right now, he's going to be in demand by loads of teams. You, you can see the likes of Liverpool maybe even trying to go in for him and other clubs trying to go in for him because there are some of these top clubs who are lacking that legs in midfield and his age makes him very attractive where you can get him a club for a good six or seven years and get a lot out of him. So again, like you said, yes, it's Todd Bowley can spend, but it's a lot of money. It's a big commitment mm. because the players that these clubs need don't come cheap unless you've been scouting for a long time and you've got a structure and a plan behind it. Right now, when you look at Chelsea, the reality of it, whether they're like it or not, is they have to do the quick fix. They have to are going to be forced to spend more than they need to, but it has to be a quick fix because they really don't look convincing midfield-wise or attacking-wise. And again, like you said, we don't know what's going to happen over these transfer windows. And if they don't improve that and get the right person come to hit the ground running... Because it's not going to be. Do no, you think the World Cup
3: changes them. that as well, Nigel? When players perform yeah. in the World Cup, like you, you normally see it, because it's a summer World Cup, like that teams go nuts about players who perform well when it comes to World Cup. And there's random players who will step up and play well. And also, in my personal opinion, it gives nations who have not been spoken about a lot an opportunity to be in
0: the the shop window as well. Yeah, but then they're never the same players after you sign them from a World Cup. Very mm. few end up being the same players after yeah. you sign them from a World Cup. Like, this and World there Cup aren't unknowns
1: anymore. That there's no you know i mean i can f- open up y scout or clip pro or whatever and fire up and you know i can give me a few days i can come back and tell you every good Iranian player out there probably you know if i'm a scout that it, i think with the transfer side of it it's transfer so we all get kind of people everyone gets carried away but that you know there aren't these unknowns there there isn't yes. this there isn't this player
0: that's gonna i mean then maybe there's one or two let me just let me just drop this in there, Ian, right? Cool. So we talk about getting a top-class striker, this and that. For me, one of the best strikers in Europe is Osman at mm-hmm. Napoli. Mm-hmm. Look what Napoli are doing right now. Would Napoli sell Osman in this window after the World Cup to a Chelsea or one of their rivals in the Champions League? Even if it was 100 million, would they sell him when they're trying to win the Italian League? Well, well, and you think he's,
3: let me put on. it to an even an even more discussed point. Kunku right now. Nkunku. Leipzig have got Manchester City in the next round, and that doesn't take place until February. And Chelsea are rumored to be like almost there within Kunku. So, what does that mean? Do you sell them in the winter? Do you sell them in the summer? Like, what does it mean? And let's not forget the fact that he could have a massive role to play in how the World
0: Cup has played out for France as well. If he has a big World Cup, his price tag's going through the roof. But again, though, it's not just like it's all these clubs have players already there that are scoring goals and strikers they can rely on there's so many that's out there that are in need Manchester United are in need of a striker as yep. well number nine you're going to have to go young they can't keep making the same mistake and going by a season it just it's a never-ending cycle Manchester United after a striker Chelsea after a striker you'd have to say Liverpool still really probably need to get someone in again Tottenham so there's so yep. many clubs top clubs in Europe who are after players that are just not that regularly available or out there of the quality and calibre that's needed. Yeah,
3: yeah. James, before we get to your uh, opinion on that Liverpool against Real Madrid, and we'll get a good discussion going about that cracking matchup, here's uh, a little link. And there are a few ties between Borussia Dortmund and Chelsea. Obviously, you got the Christian Pulisic going back to uh, Borussia Dortmund, but you also have the Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, who is, um, you know, a massive goal scorer. 141 goals he scored in 213 appearances, I believe, for Borussia Dortmund, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, right here. So, you know, can there be that the point to prove right there from a Pierre Emerick Aubameyang? <laughs> you just, you have no idea,
1: especially the way he played have, at the weekend. You have to, to prove sendle. on Sunday. good point and he did he proved the point that Mikel Arteta was absolutely right to run him out of town he's not the same like he'll go back to Dortmund and show Dortmund he's not the same player he was he can still score if he's in a team that dominates and creates chances he'll find the net but you know
3: James what did you think of the video that he put up before um, on his social media discussing you know I'm ready and you know and then uh, the little Gabriel uh, pop
1: at him after the game on his social media I thought it was class well, he is um, a uh, a what's the right word effervescent. He he is a a character, and you see, there's a <laughs> That's sort the of the word you wanted to use. Scene. There's a behind the scenes <laughs> clip um, of him um, where he sort of the the BT cameras are saying say these things, and he just goes with it. And you know, I I I I think I would think you know you guys would know this as well especially when you're going back to play, to play an old rival, you would kind of want to check your words and take the spotlight off you a little bit. Uh, Oba's not that type. And I think that's the one thing you might say is if he's hitting a bit of form in February, he will love the challenge of, of playing against Dortmund and showing how much they miss him. I think for him, the big challenge is he's just not that player anymore. But if he can get back a bit of form, start finding the net, you know, you know he'll go... They're full of confidence with plenty planned. I'm sure he's got a celebration planned for when he gets back to uh, the Westfalen (laughs) Stadium. So, uh, yeah, Yeah, but he's not the player he was.
3: Krishna's jumping in the comments. It says, interesting word choice there, James. But I hope by the end of the season, Broja is a first-team striker for Chelsea. And I think getting Rhys James back will probably be the biggest help for Chelsea, which is great comments. You're coming up with some absolute bangers
0: right here. Go ahead. Let I me jump, jump. in, Ian. I'm sorry. I, like, do people not use their eyes when they watch football and see body language and everything. This guy here is talented. There's no disputing that. He's talented. He's not hungry. I don't see a player that's hungry when he's on that football pitch for Chelsea. He's very comfortable. From when he left Arsenal, and we do know this, James, you can admit to this, after he signed his new big deal at Arsenal, he was a different player then. He became very comfortable after that big deal and i think for some of the listeners who don't you know ask. it's guaranteed money like this is guaranteed this isn't nfl where only parts guarantee no he's fully guaranteed so he knew when he signed that deal when arsenal got him out the door they took a big financial hit i'm sure again james could probably say a bit more because they had to pay him another mm-hmm. similar muzzle erzl situation but it yeah. was quietly swept under the rug goes mm-hmm. to barcelona he would have been cheap there then from Barcelona to Chelsea coming, and I feel sorry for Graham Potter because that wasn't the Graham Potter buy, mm-hmm. that was a Thomas Tuchel buy. So now Graham Potter has to deal with a striker that you probably would say if Graham Potter had opportunity to buy him ever, and he wouldn't personality,
3: buy him. right, and by Danny yeah,
0: Potter wouldn't buy him. He doesn't suit Graham Potter's style. So yeah. again, you look at the transfers he's had recently, the money he's probably made for that, and I'm not saying 100 know him, but I can only go on what I see on the football pitch, and this is what I see. I do not see. A hungry striker where you could say, oh, he's financially set. It's fine. It's just about playing football. I don't see that desire on the pitch. I don't see that commitment or effort. Yes, he's a striker that historically doesn't get involved in build-up play or anything like that and puts the ball into the net. But he's not clinical enough to, to do that. Because every time when he does get a very good chance where an average striker or a Premier League striker should put it into the back of the net, he doesn't do it. That's just my opinion.
3: Mm-hmm. Roger Mello saying, for once, it's a great draw for Benfica. With due respect, Benfica will trample Brugge. I'm not sure if there's any. Art of respect about that comment right there from Rodrigo, but be careful what you wish for. That is a crack and draw. You're absolutely a favorite going into that one. Uh, let's move ahead. Uh, we've got a lot of big ties to discuss, none other than Liverpool against Real Madrid. It's a massive game. It's a repeat of the final. Um, it's. I mean, listen, there's, there's so many stories we could go about. These are two very different teams than what they were when they faced each other in the final, Liverpool in particular. Um Probably Real Madrid would fancy themselves over anybody else, James, when it comes to this trial, right? They would
1: be the favourites. Yes, definitely. Because like you say, these are two different teams in that Real Madrid have got better, I think. Um, You know, you you look at the growth of that young midfield to go alongside the veterans. You look at uh, Vinicius Jr.'s development, Rodrigo. Hot on his he- hot on his heels as well, and we haven't even seen the best of Karim Benzema this season. I'm sure that will come. It does amuse me that there's someone, Oscar, in the, the comments thinks I seem to have some great hatred against Real Madrid merely because I think they kind of fluked it last season. But actually, I I don't think it would be a fluke if they won the Champions League this season. I think they're mm-hmm. comfortably in the top two teams. The what big, big question makes you think is that they fluked it last year, though. Like, what is they, it about well, they that did Real Madrid fluke it. That
3: fluked it? They why? did. How they kept how the, and why?
1: You got to look at sort of all the. Underlying metrics, go and look the at the late performances. goals. That's you well, call them late well, that's goals, the point, isn't it? That, but that's fluky. That's lucky. However, you kind of want it. Whatever phrase <laughs> you want if to you put could on, it, James, lucky, you can call always like imagine the score last try. minute. When you can call that a fluke, after this they had a meltdown. Maybe I me have a point PS- here, James. <laughs> they benefited from a meltdown from PSG, and admittedly. You know, that's, that's
0: not knockdown kind of from PSG. That's 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 Real Madrid performing, doing what they have to do. They performed with it's players. It's a little
1: bit of col- no, at best. It's a no, little bit of column, you can't a, say a little it's bit a meltdown, of column, no, column
0: Because it's, it's in the players' hands and the manager's hands. Pochettino had the opportunity to make changes, didn't make changes, didn't make changes and reading the game live. Personally, I think Jurgen Klopp is looking at this game and he probably went scheiße. That's what he yeah. probably said when he saw of all teams, Scheiser. Yeah. Real Madrid, Madrid, you mentioned the players already. The one player you forgot to mention that's absolutely on form, Valverde. He, for me, is right now the shining beacon of Ancelotti deserves a lot for that, though, Nigel, right? For the way he's pushing 100%. Valverde. 100. People make it seem like, oh, when you have the best players, it's easy to do. There's so much that comes with management for another level when you've got those top-caliber players. And we've seen it with Paris Saint-Germain. It hasn't worked. They've got all the top calibre players, but there's a lot that comes into it. Ancelotti's gone into Real Madrid and these guys are just on another level. They're a much more improved team this year than they were last year. Like you said, so it's two different games we're going to see. It's nothing like we're going to see last year. But the big difference for me is I would say Real Madrid always seem to turn it on when it comes to the last 16 There's Mm -hmm. just another level of concentration and belief in the players when it gets to the nitty gritty home leg and away leg. They just turn that switch on. And that comes with just that, that, that desire. And I think it's just so historically built in the club that even the young players coming in, they're probably being taught that already from the senior players that this is the, the real business end of the Champions League now.
1: But but, mm-hmm. Nigel, is that any different to Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, who have shown year in, year out that they can turn it on, even when they were riddled with injuries, they actually ended up being quite a, a, an effective Champions League force. And it was only because, you know, when Madrid knocked them out um, the year before uh, they won the title, it was pretty much because Liverpool were fielding a sort of defence of like Nat Phillips and, and players like that. And, and Liverpool never really stood a chance. <laughs>
0: Not- I think this goes back again to the argument that we always talk about. I think when Liverpool did that and when Liverpool won form, we know Anfield is formidable. The atmosphere at Anfield on Champions League night is, is more about the fans than actually the players. Like the fans there make it just electric where it's just adrenaline pumping in the Liverpool players. But the difference with Real Madrid is what I've always said is Real Madrid are very proactive in the sense of they buy the best of the best whether it's young or whatever it is, they get the best of the best. So any manager that comes in, your job is just to manage these players. You're not going to come to Real Madrid and say, I need a right back. I need a left back to fit my style, my system. No, once you start doing that, Real Madrid, you're out. They just get a manager to come in because you already have the best. If you look at their new signing, allegedly that they're trying to get the young kid, Endrick from Palmeiras. The -hmm. kid is 16 years old. He is absolutely phenomenal. And Real Madrid have beaten Paris Saint-Germain and all them lot to get this young kid. So they're very proactive. Liverpool are not at that same level as Real Madrid because Real Madrid, I feel, has been a lot more proactive. I'm not so
3: sure that that is completely true, what you're saying about Hendrik already choosing Real Madrid or Real Madrid no, getting no, it. I, I will say they're this, that I agree with you that him, that's yeah. probably the best home for him to go to, but you best believe that the, the teams with the biggest money will absolutely
0: be in the race to sign this kid. I no, know no, he's no, good. It's, you know him better yeah. than me, but... Paris San germain Barcelona and Real Madrid are in for the kid, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of these... Latin American kids, especially from Brazil and all that, they're going to choose generally. The reality is going to be either between Real Madrid or Barcelona. Mm-hmm. If you're that kid now and you're looking at Real Madrid and Barcelona, it's an absolute no-brainer. You're going to go Can to Can Barca even afford him? Well, <laughs> they're trying to go in for him, but they're saying right now it's Real Madrid that have basically pole position to sign him. And you've got to put yourself in that kid's position. You're 16 years old. Real Madrid, the previous Champions League winners are there. Your Brazilian colleague Vinicius Junior is shining there. You look mm-hmm. at all the young players they've got there. You're 16 years old. You can go there and be a superstar. Because what other clubs are you going to pick when can you we, get? Can to we Real talk Michigan? about? Can we talk about Liverpool? Because Nigel, you are talking about yep. a 16 year old. He wouldn't get. You know, he, he wouldn't get near to playing against Liverpool. This 16. No, I'm not I saying he's just... going to play now. The, 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 the whole conversation was James about how that club is a lot more proactive in the long term mm. in how they recruit and do their business compared to Liverpool. So hey, the way, like, the the way, way Nunez
3: is playing, he might get in the team.
1: <laughs> yeah, Nunez is, is starting to... No, 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 Nunez is starting to, to make big strides, I think. And I think come, come the new year, and this is my, you know, the thesis with Liverpool becomes that if that midfield can just get back to adequate, Nunez will be much better. He They will have uh, Diaz and Jota back. If it's a fully fit Liverpool... I still kind of agree with where I think Nigel's at and where I think you're at, Ian. That Madrid are the favourites, but I would really not rush to discount Liverpool. Not that I'm saying any anyone is. I think Liverpool, if they get back to where they are, serious contenders to win it all.
0: Yeah, you don't think, absolutely. James, that Liverpool's still lacking legs within in in their midfield? Like that's a big that's the big
1: worry. And I, and I, and you need Jones or Elliot to just keep moving forward and can they be good enough to add those legs to midfield um but if if Fabinho Tiago are fit and and in good form I think you know you can have an Elliot or a Jones in there to add legs and not feel like you're totally overrun Madrid will be better in midfield but I think Liverpool can be good enough to keep this close and then you never know
0: Let's Nigel we got a comment play. coming
1: in
3: from Oscar you're going to like on. this one Nigel yeah. is the voice of reason for this pod thank wow. you Oscar thank you So you're the fan, Oscar. You're the one. (laughs) (laughs) Let me remind you of a couple of stats here. Real Madrid have not lost any of the last six against Liverpool in the Champions League, winning five, drawing one, winning two finals, 3-1 in 2018 and 1-0 in 2022, and progressing in their only tie, 3-1 and 0-0 in the quarterfinal of the 2020-21. And these six meetings, I mean, pretty incredible statistics right there and certainly favorable for Real Madrid. And, And James, as you mentioned, Real Madrid seem like they're better than they were when they won the Champions League last year they're a better outfit this year and Liverpool seems to have taken that step backwards but I'd be very very careful as to what you wish for against Real Madrid no doubt about it here Uh, producer Des Norris coming in with a great personal private chat here little comment we found Nigel Rio Coker's burner account and it is Oscar (laughs) (laughs) listen mate this ain't no Kevin Durant over here mate I'm not none of that none of that Let's jump on. Let's move on to some of the other ties to look forward to. Let's discuss Manchester City and Leipzig. Uh, not too much to discuss about this one other than the Manchester City will be a favourite in this uh, tie. No doubt about it. Leipzig are a fantastic team right now under Marco Rosa. The job he has done. Outstanding. I believe it's 12 games. I need to go back and count it up. But I believe they've won 10 out of the last 12 games which is an incredible turnaround from where they were getting pumped by Shakhtar Donetsk and then firing Domenico Tedesco to where they are right now in the knockout stage of the Champions League against Manchester City. But Manchester City is a completely different animal. We're going to keep it minimum because the Europa League is about to start. Uh, James Bench, what do you think about that draw right there? Manchester City clearly favourites.
1: Yeah, Manchester City clear favourites. I think if you're trying to come up with reasons that there's a, a chance for um, for Leipzig, uh, their press, which, as you well know, Ian, they've really dialed that up under Rosa. You know, can that? It can be a double-headed sword against uh, against a team like Man City. On, on occasion, City will just play through it and they'll they'll kill them. But if you if if it works two or three times, that can change the tie. I mean, the other thing for me that's really interesting we talk about Nkunku uh, going to Chelsea a lot, and understandably so, he's done the medical. That doesn't mean he's going there. Like, for me, he's a perfect Man City player. You know, I think he'd, he'd combine really well with a uh, with a Haaland as a two, as a winger. He's so versatile. He's so technically excellent. He had a great couple of games against them in the group stages last season. And for me, if I'm on Kunku, especially because he's got to think, who are the team that's going to be in the Champions League next year, the year after, the year after? I'm going to be playing this one, trying to earn myself a, t- a place in uh, Pep Guardiola's team and Pep Guardiola's transfer plans in 2023.
0: Nah, he's not Pep's type of player, mate. Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be typical, Nigel. I would say City probably would just edge it, but Leipzig are dangerous. I've seen City struggle with simple straight balls over the top when City's over-eager pressing and keeping possession well. Simple ball over the top, who's it going to suit? And Cuckoo, very well to get over there and cause some problems. I would have to say yes, when you look on paper squad, City are favourites. But again, for me, if they can somehow concentrate and be able to keep Erling Haaland quiet and Kevin De Bruyne quiet, I don't How'd still do see that? this city side as great as everyone thinks they are. They struggle do that, with Nigel? very simple balls over the top. That is the message. If I was a Leipzig manager, Ian's mate, and I would say, listen, keep Kevin De Bruyne quiet, stop him from having an influence. As soon as he gets the ball in the final third. Yeah, but Nigel, you're money.
3: talking about things that are impossible. Keep Erling Haaland you're quiet, impossible. keep Kevin De Bruyne quiet. Ian, I mean, come stop, on, give listen, me a break. Ian,
0: you play the game. Stop talking nonsense about impossible because that's not your character. You know you used to love a challenge when you as a player. For me, yeah, sure. I never looked at it in sure, that way. And I think that I just, if you get just the right managers and the right coaches to deliver the right message, it's not impossible. We can't act like we've not seen crazy things before in this game of football. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. I think, yes, City have the better squad and better players. But I wouldn't write this Leipzig off to say it's a complete wash. And City you're going to win.
3: That's just my opinion. There's I some of the that... names right there, Nigel, that you have to worry about. Some great comments coming in. I appreciate uh, some of the conversation. Krishna, you're coming up with some great comments here. Gvardiol, Nkunku, uh, Shimakan, and Jobjelay, serious talent. Absolutely. I mean, Leipzig have immense talent. Can they hold on to their talent is the biggest question more than anything else. He's hoping that Jobjelay really turns out. I mean, he's just arrived into Germany last year got injured kind of struggled with injury getting going but now you're starting to see him really get into his form that the fitness is there um Luigi believes that uh, Leipzig will score two Manchester City will score four or five that's exactly the way I'm believing it Leticia says that Leipzig will score but it will not be enough and Krishna, with the last comment that Leipzig could be very sneaky in this tie just a reminder to both of you that they did meet uh, in 2021 in the group stage uh, the first game took place September 15 2021 Manchester City 6 Leipzig 3. I think Nkunku scored a hat-trick in that game. Yes, he did. And the second game, Leipzig beat them by two goals to one and that was just a uh, match day six. I think Manchester City were already through and Dominic Zobzulay was man of the match in that tie as well. Let's move ahead to Milan against Tottenham Hotspur. Really looking forward to this tie. Great game uh, to look forward to. Difficult to pick a favourite in this one. I think obviously Tottenham with the, the the quality and depth that they've got. Nigel more than anything else. You've mentioned it previously, but James, I'm going to start with you. Milan say, give me a, a bit of a battle here as to why Milan could potentially. Beat Tottenham Hotspur. And let's not forget, it's Milan going up against Conte. So it's a club that he's familiar with. So maybe that just favors Conte as well, knowing how to beat Milan.
1: Yeah. And I think if you're looking from the Milan perspective at how you win this, they maybe have a midfield that's a little bit more capable of controlling the game, of crafting chances, especially in San Siro. Rafael Leao will be up against what I think you would say is maybe the weak point of Tottenham defensively, whether it's Emerson Royale, whether it's. Um, Matt Doherty, whoever they play at right wing back and whoever they play on the right side of that back three, um, unless Romero, if Romero's fit, it gets a little easier. But um, you know, they're the they're the arguments for for AC Milan. Increasingly, I don't find them that convincing. I think assuming that Spurs have the whole front four to choose from, Richarlison, Son, Kulisewski, who looked wonderful coming back this weekend, and Kane. I think they can, they can really punish what is quite an inexperienced uh, as, as Nigel always reminds us, an inexperienced, talented, really talented, but inexperienced Milan backline. It's Tottenham though, in the champions league, it's Antonio Conte in the champions league. This is an all right draw for them and they should go in as favorites, but um, you know, what is it? Giorgio Chiellini says it is the history of the Tottenham. So, uh, I think I'm going to assume I'm going to price in some uh, some crazy moments and some uh, some mad shocks in, in this tie. I don't I don't not, I genuinely don't convinced. quite know where it's going. I'm not convinced
3: with Tottenham. And I know Nigel, you're saying that uh, Tottenham have the, the the quality and depth, and they've got players coming back. Uh, Miguel Brandao thinks that Milan have the better squad depth, and I'm not convinced by Tottenham and Europe. Full stop. Just. For some reason, I like Tottenham. I enjoy watching them play, but I'm just in European no, you don't, football. Don't say they, that. Ian, they frustrate don't like me. It,
0: no. no one likes watching Tottenham play because they're not even yeah. convincing us in the Premier League, and they're still grinding out results. And I think, just like what James said, I think I lied to James. Is thing the only thing I would say is this is Conte going back to play an Italian side, an Italian manager who is very knowledgeable on this club, the style, the system, and how to win at Milan. I give advantage to Tottenham and I just feel Tottenham have more attacking threat if they're fit, barring World Cup injuries and how that World Cup goes. Tottenham just have a lot more attacking threat to get the job done and to get the win. Like we saw Milan against Chelsea and it wasn't a great Chelsea side or a great Chelsea performance and Milan struggled against Chelsea. And I would say Tottenham will be a bit more of a difficult task than that, in my opinion. But I'm not even convinced. I'm with you in. I'm not convinced. I don't like watching Tottenham play. I think they I, play do. Atrocious I do. I do like watching. The best Tottenham. football they played was yesterday. The the last 15 minutes against Liverpool is the best when, football. When
3: Kuluzewski came on, basically, oh, that's yes, what
0: you're saying. he's the main. He's the catalyst. But that's the best football they've played all season. But for some reason, again, this Tottenham side, they always turn it on in the second half. We should just skip the first half with Tottenham because the second half is when they want to turn up for a football match and play. So the first half, you might as well just go paint in the house or have a cup of tea because it's only second half that Tottenham seem to want to come alive. But I can see them getting the job done. I'm sorry. I just don't think there's enough strength in depth in this Milan side. I think Milan are great at times. And if they catch Milan on the right time, Tot- Milan could be a lot of problems. But yeah. Tottenham, for me, are just going to be... And it's Antonio Conte. He's going to be organised. He's going to be like... He's going to like this draw. He knows what to expect, how to set against Milan. He's got the history. He knows how to play against this Milan side. Leticia saying, not being able to beat sporting is scary for Tottenham. Miguel says,
3: Conte knows Italian football, but Pioli also knows Conte's style of thinking. Krishna says, uh, though, though Lloris has looked more suspect susceptible, excuse me, I could get that word out there. Um, and if Magnan is back, he is world clack. Rodrigo says, I, I don't think that Tottenham can beat this AC Milan side. Rafael Leao is on fire. Arribaie, he says, Tottenham, Chelsea and Porto are the weakest group winners that PSG should pray to pick. <laughs> okay, has already been made. Let's look forward to it. Uh, Tottenham are in the mud. Harry Kane can't always save Tottenham, but Milan have showed against an average Chelsea that they're not at that level yet. However, I still predict Milan are going through a lot of Milan predictions going through. The Europa League is just about to take place. Let's continue rattling through these Champions League games as we go through and look forward to the Europa League draw. Let's discuss, let's go to Inter against Porto here. Uh, Porto, not getting spoken about enough, but Inter, probably a draw they can see as a favourable one, James.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think Inter have taken some impressive steps of late. I mean, I know that obviously, as, as Nigel noted, they did lose to Juventus, a, um, a disappointing as result Nigel for them. Predicted, but
0: predicted, James, as Nigel predicted. As Nigel okay. predicted.
1: The only one to predict it, we should say. Thank you. A, a good step, in, a, a frustrating step back there for Inter. But I, I, like, I like the makeup of their midfield. And I think they'll need it because Porto can be very combative in those areas. But, you know... The the Barella, Chalonolu, there's so many options there. Brozovic as well. If Lukaku is, is fully fit and firing, you've got him, Martinez, and um Gekko to choose from. Like this is a squad with some decent depth. I don't I don't think either of these teams are gonna kind of go beyond the quarterfinals unless they get another favorable draw. But you know, it's two two good teams. I, I lean towards Inter. Um, just because I feel like, you know, I have to say I don't watch a huge amount of Portuguese. Domestic football, um, and I think Porto just got a a, a a draw in the group stages. That was two pretty dreadful teams that were totally at sea, mm-hmm. um, and a Club Brugge team that, that played way, way above their their level. So um, I don't I don't feel like I have my finger on Porto yet, Nigel. Anything on that one, or you want to
0: discuss? Just, Frank? for Ferguson's me, I'll just uh, I'm going to back Porto with that. I think for me, Porto have a great experience uh, of youth. And experienced players, Pepe at the back, obviously a great, tremendous Champions League history. But what I've seen performances in this competition for me, they look like a very scared side. They play f- back to front very quickly. Great football. I'm not convinced with Milan. Yes, they've taken great strides into Milan. But for me, even to, to, to lose against Juventus, which obviously was a, a big shock for them, it still wasn't a convincing performance by Milan for me. I think that Porto, I would give yeah. Porto the edge in this one in what I've seen in the Champions League.
3: Alright real quickly Frankfurt Napoli just a couple of comments quickly on that one Nigel you go because I know you're a big fan of Napoli anything any chance for Frankfurt in this game it's all over 2 ties no no chance <laughs> James Okay. I'm gonna give Frank for an opportunity in this tie to maybe, maybe cause some damage in one of the games, but over two ties, Napoli too strong. Niger Pick your head, not it. your heart,
0: Ian. Pick your head, not your heart.
3: <laughs> All right, we're gonna get out of here real quickly. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. Obviously, um, we're gonna have a quick break and uh, when we return, we're gonna when we return, we're gonna discuss what's happening in the Europa League draw, which is just about to take place. You're watching House of Champions Stay right there. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to House of Champions. There's uh, some laughs going on right here. James Bench,
1: fill in the viewers as we're watching along with the Europa League draw. Barcelona versus Manchester United in the Europa <laughs> League knockout rounds. Wow. Unbelievable. I Unbelievable. Mean, wow. I keep telling you, this is the best competition in Europe. This is phenomenal. I I mean you know we're kind of going through all these live we've got Juventus out right now um as well which gives you a sense of the real talent Pavel Nedved looks He's... utterly terrified he looks... as he waits to see I mean he avoided Manchester United but James, he as... looks more relieved
0: now that at least Manu and Barca are out
1: Yeah exactly I mean what a what a tie two what of the two of the three favorites you would say for the competition Please, come on,
0: Juventus get a big draw Juventus and against Nantes
1: No that's, a yeah. that's very Juventus, isn't it? To just kill exactly, the so they're happy with that. I, I can't say I've seen a huge amount of Nantes. Um Juventus uh, a step in the right direction, obviously. At the, what about at the the Barcelona that
3: Barcelona Manchester United tie? Real quickly before we get the other draws. I mean, that's a massive tie. Two teams, obviously, just trying to figure their way out right now. It's a it's a cracking that's tie. A this is tie. probably the benefit you get from teams dropping down from the Champions League, right? Hundred uh, percent.
0: Go on, Dave. It
1: seems, it seems quite unfair on Manchester United. I mean, like, you know, they were, I mean, in retrospect, they should have won their group, shouldn't they? They should have got that second goal against Real Sociedad. But, um, you know, I think you'll be hearing a few more of those familiar complaints that it's not fair um, that Champions League teams that don't reach the top two get rewarded by coming into another competition. Because I think Barcelona are quite strong favourites for this.
3: Sporting against Michelin was just drawn right there. Uh, Nigel, get your opinion on uh, the Manchester
0: United tie real quickly. What a draw. What a draw. And I know, obviously, Ian, you're against them, dropping in, and they should be completely out of Europe in, yeah. in the sense of the Champions League, which it's it's subjective. It's down to anyone's uh, opinion. But I think this is what is probably UEFA going to be happy with, what makes this competition special. And the whole revamp format of it keeps both competitions interesting and the fan bases there. That is a draw. to yeah, historic we- clubs in Europe, worldwide fan bases, Everyone's probably licking their lips. And I don't even think anyone's going to pay attention to the other draws, but you've got Barcelona, Manchester United, worldwide fan based clubs, both in a complete rebuild process where they've been financially mismanaged for a while now and they're trying to find their foot again. What a draw that is.
3: Shakhtar have been drawn next and they have been, they only have a few options. I don't know who they could get drawn against. I missed it. They've just drawn against
1: Stad Ren. Shakhtar against Stad Ren. I mean, they're, they're one of the dark horses for me to win this whole competition. Okay. Um, I, I know I I uh, I know I got a bit carried away with them in the Champions League. And obviously we don't, I mean, especially with Ukrainian football teams, it's really hard to know what the situation will be in three months' time. But um, the talent is there, you know, not just Mudrik, but, but some of yeah. the other guys um, in that front line looked really special in this Champions League uh, campaign. Just before we get on to the rest of the
3: draw there, if you're looking for a one-month free Paramount Plus action, P Plus have a one-month free trial offer code UEFA2022. And that is UEFA22. Scan the QR code on the screen or follow the link in the description to get your one-month free trial of Paramount Plus Ajax have been drawn. They can go up against Roma, Union Berlin, or Monaco. Wow, that's going to be an interesting pick. Let's see who they get selected against. Ajax, Amsterdam lost against PSV this weekend. Absolutely ruined my parlay. Uh, they get drawn against Union Berlin. So Ajax Ooh. against Union Berlin, who just lost the lead of the Bundesliga this weekend. They got absolutely hammered by Xavi Alonso's Leverkusen by five goals to nil. Um, obviously, dealing in European competition is not easy for Union Berlin. They just simply don't have the depth to be able to deal in both
1: competitions. But they've been amazing. Go ahead, James. Do you think they'll be inclined to sort of throw more energy at the Europa League? Because, you know, they're not going to win the, the Bundesliga. Did you could you like, imagine, no, James, if they could finish in the top four of the Bundesliga, very well as possible, you know. It, that's always the challenge, and you have this obviously with English teams. Maybe the English teams that are a higher level, don't you? Where it gets to that stage, West Ham had it last season, um, where and they're could, struggling this season. You could throw, you could throw a lot of bodies Point. at getting top four or Europa League, but you probably can't do both. And and that's Leverkusen be a challenge against probably. Monaco. Sorry to interrupt you there, James. Leverkusen no, against Monaco. I have to say. Um, the, the big winners from this draw at the moment even with the ties like Leverkusen Monaco Ajax, Ajax and Union Berlin one of them knocking out the other and of course Barcelona Man United this is great news for the, 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 the teams that have already gone to the round of 16 and like especially the ones that have a real chance of winning like Arsenal and Betis they will be rubbing their their hands at this draw
0: won't they you wow know, all what about
1: the, West Ham mate they're not in that competition mate they're in the conference
0: yes my bad (laughs) but I mean they would be as well they're in the Mickey
1: Mouse one Nigel they're in
3: the Mickey Mouse one you know (laughs) big ears Disney (laughs) Uh, I believe Sevilla Sevilla have been drawn next they've got Roma or PSV Eindhoven that's the potential options for them so Sevilla against Roma or uh, PSV go ahead Nigel sorry
0: who's top of the German league?
3: I am. Bino. Bayern beat uh, Hertha Berlin. They were actually lucky against Hertha Berlin. They won by three goals to two. They were 3 0 up, I believe, at one stage and gave away two goals pretty quickly. And it was a crazy, crazy game. Sevilla have just drawn against PSV Eindhoven. Oh. And that means that Roma against Salzburg will take place. Roma disappointing this weekend in the More Rome thing. Derby.
1: Go ahead, James. All really good teams knocking each other out. Like one of. <laughs> this is, one of this is a good draw. Salzburg. This is a good draw, James it's really i mean this ends. competition is great it's a top like really fun especially oh. i think you know if you're like a, a beat reporter or a fan who yeah. is, is planning on traveling to you know some of these games you get a little bit off the beaten track i loved going to to ren when arsenal were playing there i thought that was a a lovely little trip um yeah. and it all ends in in budapest for uh a nice long weekend you could make of it in uh, in the Hungarian capital. Are, so. are you
3: asking for a House of Champions on the road special for Europa League as well? I'm all for that. Barcelona,
0: Man United. House of Champions at Barcelona Man United is a on, a Thursday. Play on a Thursday. <laughs> you know, no, right. Exactly. The weekend starts there. All right, let me rattle through the draw for
3: you. It's just finished in the Europa League. Barcelona against Manchester United. The delightful tie that took place, and that was the first one to be drawn out of the hat. Would you believe it? Barcelona against Manchester United. Juventus against Nantes from France. Sporting club de Portugal against Michelin. Uh, Shakhtar Donetsk against Rennes. Ajax Amsterdam against Union Berlin. Leverkusen against Monaco. Sevilla against PSV and Salzburg against Roma. Uh, What happens next uh, will be very interesting, and these ties, really, really looking forward to them. Obviously, the group winners of the Europa League are Arsenal, Betis, Fenerbahce, Ferencvaros, uh, Feyenoord, Freiburg, Real Sociedad, and Union Saint-Golais. They are all awaiting what happens in the knockout round. But these ties are delightful. And actually, Nigel Rio Cooker, they might be convincing me that it's probably a good idea to throw these teams down from the Champions League because there are some mouth-watering ties
0: that I can only imagine how the Champions will be over on a Thursday. But you, that's the whole point. I think that's why they revamped it. And I think for me, I know you disagree with Ian, but I think it does make this competition a lot more spicy. I mean, you look at some of these these ties that you've already spoken about, and then obviously the teams have already qualified top of their group. It's going to be a great watch. It's hard not to watch this competition. And the way I, I actually compare it, my analogy of it is, yes, you've got the Premier League, the Champions League. But for me, this is the championship. Anything is possible. There are no guaranteed winners in these fixtures because it's mm-hmm. just a complete different kind of atmosphere. You're looking at diff- different teams with different kind of... Um, Builds in the sense of the team dynamic, where this competition is a lot more open, where some of your favourites will get knocked out, as we've seen before.
3: Really incredible ties here. Anything in particular outside of that Barcelona against Manchester United, James, that really catches your attention? Obviously, the lack of English teams uh, when it comes to Europa League is is clearly evident in uh, this knockout draw. Um, well, both,
1: they're both there. They're, they're but both I'm, still qualified.
3: I, I hear you, I hear you, but I'm just talking about the knockout stages That um, the Thursday that they won't be in this tie. It's only Manchester United that are in there. Um, From a German perspective, really looking forward to that Ajax against Union Berlin tie. Kind of hoping that Union Berlin can spring a surprise on this Ajax. We're talking about yesterday, Ajax losing to PSV Eindhoven at home in the Eredivisie. I think Schroeder now could be on a little bit of a hot seat when it comes to Ajax. Uh, they have won one of their last five home games And now you welcome Union Berlin after that
1: winter break, which is going to be very interesting. Any other tie that
3: really stands out to you, though, James? I mean, there's some delightful
1: ties to look forward to. I really like the look of that Salzburg versus Roma tie. Roma, I think, to be honest, before the draw, were one of my top picks to go and win the whole thing. Uh, We've seen, obviously, how much value the Conference League had for them. Jose Mourinho... I don't think it matters to him now that it's not the Champions League. He loves those European nights. He loves those European trophies. Um, this will be a really fascinating one. I know on the on our weekend previews as well, I always talk really highly of Roma. I think the results will start to, will, will improve even more on where they, they've been. Um, but obviously Salzburg as well, a talent factory. They're the ultimate, who knows, who will be in their lineup come... Uh, you know, come the, the, the knockout stages because if you're not, if you're a, a top team and you're not looking at Noah Okafor, you're not looking at Junior Adamu, you're not looking at Luka Sucic, you're not doing your job well enough. Um, so who knows what Salzburg will look like. Um, but I think Roma are a team to to really keep an eye out on. Also, Leverkusen, Monaco, that'll be really fun. Um, yeah. Leverkusen could be a much better team with a, a few months of Jabi Alonso's tutelage. So uh, I look forward to that one as well.
3: I think the same about Juventus. They're starting to get players back healthy again. They had a big win. Nigel predicted it over Inter this weekend. Did I happen to say it again? Let me say it louder. Nigel predicted a win this weekend for Juventus. But hey, Nigel, Juve, with players getting back healthy again, going through the stockout stage, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with when it comes to European competition in the end. Or am I wrong?
0: Well, no, you're right. I think James picked up my other game, which I was going to say, was Leverkusen-Monaco is quite interesting. Monaco have always been consistent in this competition. But for me, juventus nonce. and I think you look at Juventus's form right now, they've kind of got over this whole bad blip of results. Players are coming back now. And I think players have got an acceptance now that the manager's going to be there, whether they like it or not. And now they're starting to perform. And I think there's a, there's a togetherness coming about it that Juventus can be some a real dark horse in this competition. I would say that Juventus really could go all the way, in my opinion.
3: Sevilla against PSV Eindhoven. Sevilla in the Seville derby this weekend. Did either of you watch the Seville derby or even catch the highlights of the Seville derby?
0: D- James, did you catch it? A- <laughs> I watched the three bit of it, red cards. Uh, I watched the, a bit of a Three red cards, and then uh, Real <laughs> Betis was still winning until what the like 80th minute. That 81st Sevilla minute, Goodell scored from 30 one, yards, and the equalized the one-one. yeah yeah. there uh, was two red red cards in the first half uh, yeah how many managers got sent off as well
3: Listen, it was one of the craziest derbies I've watched. Uh, Certainly a hot referee uh, at the time. Video review played a big role into why the red cards took place. Hard to disagree with the red cards at the end of the day. Um, There was no real vicious or aggression in that derby game. But uh, Sevilla, they need to be uh, very dangerous because PSV Eindhoven are doing very well in the Eredivisie. And they absolutely turned over Ajax yesterday in a cracking game. Guys, it's been emotional. Thanks very much for your efforts this morning. Uh, we have had a Champions League draw. We have had a Europa League draw. We have got great comments. We have had Nigel Rio Coker, James Bench jumping in and being here for throughout the full thing. Thank you to both of you. Thank you to Jonathan Johnson as well this morning. Um, hold on here. Dez says, but before we leave, let's talk about parking situation in Budapest. Okay, before we go... Uh, Uh, Nigel, can I get your uh, opinion on the cup final taking place? No, I'm only joking. Just getting out of here. (laughs) You look so confused right now. Uh, I want to thank everybody else out there for your comments and jumping in the the chat. When it comes to these shows, we always do our best to make sure that we're giving you our personal opinion, which we like to do anyway. Whether you like it or not, we're giving it to you. But we want your comments as well, so we can really get them involved into our conversation. This show is for you. So before we get out of here, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Thanks to everybody out there for watching the Champions League draw and the Europa League draw live with us here on House of Champions League. Fight.